0: SECTION 2 OF COMMENTARY ON THE GOSPEL OF JOHN BOOK 7 BY CYRIL OF ALEXANDRIA TRANSLATED BY REVEREND THOMAS RANDALL THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN 29.30 AND NO ONE SHALL SNATCH THEM OUT OF MY HAND MY FATHER WHICH HATH GIVEN THEM UNTO ME IS GREATER THAN ALL AND NO ONE IS ABLE TO SNATCH THEM OUT OF MY FATHER'S HAND I AND MY FATHER ARE ONE the faithful also have the succour of Christ, the devil not being able to snatch them. And they who have an endless enjoyment of good things remain in it, no one henceforth snatching them away from the bliss that is given to them into punishment or torments. For it is not possible that they who are in Christ's hand should be snatched away to be punished, because of Christ's great might. For the hand, in the Divine Scripture, signifies the power. It cannot be doubted, therefore, that the hand of Christ is unconquerable and mighty to all things. But when he saw the Jews mocking at him as being a mere man, not understanding that he who to sight and touch was man was in his nature God, to persuade them that he is the power of the Father, he saith, no one shall snatch them from my Father's hand, that is, from mine. For he says that himself is the all-powerful right hand of the Father, forasmuch as by him the Father effecteth all things, even as by our hand the things are effected which we do. For in many places of the Scripture Christ is named the hand and right hand of the Father which signifies the power, and the all-producing energy and might of God is named simply His hand. For in some way the language used concerning God is always superior to bodily representation, and the Father is said to give to the Son, not as to one who had not always creation under His hand, but as to Him who is in His nature life bringing us who are in need of life to the Son, that we may be made alive through Him who is in His nature life, and has it of His own. But also, inasmuch as He has become man, it is suitable for Him to ask and to receive from the Father things which He already had as being in His nature God. For Christ having admitted what pertained to his humanity, recurs to his God-befitting dignity, taking pleasure in the advantages of his nature for the profit of the faithful and for the sake of sound faith, which is never at all to suspect that the Son is inferior to the Father. For thus he is shown to be the undamaged image of the Father, preserving in himself whole and sound the very impress of the Father. And we say the Son and the Father are one, not blending their individualities by the use of that number, as do some who say that the Father and the Son are the same person, but believing the Father by himself and the Son by himself to personally subsist, and collecting the two into one sameness of essence, also knowing them to possess one might, so that it is seen without variation now in one and now in the other. I and the Father are one. By the word one he signifies the sameness of their essence, and by the word are he severs into two that which is understood and again binds them up into one Godhead. BUT THIS ALSO WE MUST UNDERSTAND, IN OPPOSITION TO THE ARIANS, THAT IN HIS SAYING, I AND THE FATHER ARE ONE, THERE IS SIGNIFIED NOT THE PROOF OF SAMENESS OF WILL, BUT THE ONENESS OF THEIR ESSENCE. FOR INDEED THE JEWS UNDERSTOOD THAT IN SAYING THIS HE SAID THAT HIMSELF WAS GOD AND EQUAL TO THE FATHER. AND CHRIST DID NOT DENY THAT HE HAD SAID THIS AS THEY UNDERSTOOD IT. 31. THE JEWS, THEREFORE, TOOK UP STONES AGAIN TO STONE HIM. FOR NOT REFRAINING THEMSELVES FROM HIM, WHEN HE SAID THAT HIMSELF WAS ONE WITH THE FATHER, THEY RUSHED TO KILL HIM, ALTHOUGH EACH OF THE WORKS WROUGHT BY HIM PROCLAIMED THAT HE WAS IN HIS NATURE GOD. And not only now, but on other occasions also, when they took up stones to kill him. They stood motionless through the power of Christ, so that it became evident from this also, that he would not suffer except he was willing. Moreover, in his gentleness, Christ checked their unreasonable impulse, saying not, For which of the words that I said are ye angry? But for which of the works that I did. For if I had not done, he says, many God-befitting works which show that I am in my nature God, ye might be reasonably angry with me now, hearing me say that I and the Father are one. But I should not have said this had I not shown it by all things that I did. And he speaks of the works as from the Father, not from himself showing this modesty for our prophet, so that we may not boast when we receive anything from God. And he says the works were shown from the Father, not to indicate that the power exhibited in them was other than his own, but to teach that they were the works of the whole Godhead. And we understand one Godhead in Father and Son and Holy Spirit. FOR WHATSOEVER THE FATHER DOES, THIS IS ACCOMPLISHED BY THE SON IN THE SPIRIT. AND AGAIN, WHAT THE SON DOES, THIS THE FATHER IS SAID TO DO IN THE SPIRIT. WHEREFORE ALSO CHRIST SAITH, I DO NOTHING OF MYSELF, BUT THE FATHER ABIDING IN ME, HE DOETH THE WORKS. 33. FOR A GOOD WORK WE STONE THEE NOT, BUT FOR BLASPHEMY. Having a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, they became angry when they heard Christ saying, I and the Father are one. For what was the impediment to his being one with the Father, if they believed that he was God by nature? Wherefore also they attempt to stone him, and in self-defense giving the reason why they did so, they say, WE STONE THEE, NOT ON ACCOUNT OF THE GOOD WORKS WHICH THOU DIDST, BUT BECAUSE THOU BLASPHEMEST. THEY WERE THE BLASPHEMERS, ON THE CONTRARY, BECAUSE THEY WISHED TO STONE ONE WHO WAS TRULY GOD, NOT KNOWING THAT JESUS WAS DESTINED TO COME, NOT IN THE UNDISGUISED GODHEAD, BUT INCARNATE OF THE SEED OF DAVID, AND THUS THEY SPEAK OF HIS TRUE CONFESSION AS BLASPHEMY. I said, ye are gods, and so on. Since therefore the Father called certain men gods, and of necessity the honorable name was something external, superadded to them, for he who is God by nature is one only, lest Jesus also should be deemed to be one of that class, clothed in the glory of the Godhead, not as essentially his own, but rather as something external, superadded to himself, in the same way as was the case with those others. He, as a matter of necessity, clearly distinguishes himself from them, for he shows that he differed so far from their poverty, that when he was in them, then only, and on that very account, they were called gods, because he is the word of God the Father. And if the word, being in them, was in any cases sufficient to make those who were really only men shine with the honor of the Godhead, how could he be anything else than God by nature, who bestowed freely even upon those others his splendor in this way? Now, convicting the Jews that not because he said, I and the Father are one, they were stoning him, but without reason. He says, If, because I said I was God, I seem to blaspheme. Why, when the Father said by the law to certain men, Ye are gods, did ye not judge that to be blasphemy? And this he says, not as instigating them to say anything against the Father, but to convict them of being ignorant of the law and the inspired scriptures. And seeing that the difference between those who were called gods and him who is in his nature God is great, through the words which he uses, he teaches us the distinction. For if the men unto whom the word of God came were called gods, and were illumined with the honor of the Godhead, by admitting and receiving the word of God into their soul, how could he, through whom they became gods, be other than in his nature God? For the word was God, according to the language of John, who also bestowed this illumination on the others. For if the word of God through the Holy Spirit leads up to superhuman grace, and adorns with a divine honor those in whom he may be. Why, saith he, say ye that I blaspheme when I call myself son of God and God? Although by the works I have done from him I am born witness to as in my nature God. For having sanctified me, he sent me into the world to be the Savior of the world and it is the attribute only of one in his nature God to be able to save men from the devil, and from sin, and from corruption. But perhaps when the divine scripture saith that the Son was sent from the Father, the heretic straightway deems the expression is a poor to his own error, and will say in all probability, Ye who refuse to speak of the Son as inferior to the Father, do ye not see that he was sent from him as from a superior and a greater one? What then shall we say? Surely that the mention of his being sent is particularly suitable to the measure of his self-humiliation. For thou hearest that Paul, uniting both, then says that the Son was sent from the Father, WHEN HE WAS ALSO MADE OF A WOMAN, AND UNDER THE LAW AS A MAN AMONGST US, ALTHOUGH BEING LAWGIVER AND LORD. AND IF THE SON BE UNDERSTOOD AS MADE IN THE FORM OF A SERVANT, THEN SAID TO BE SENT FROM THE FATHER, HE SUFFERS NO DAMAGE WHATEVER WITH REGARD TO HIS BEING ALSO CONSUBSTANTIAL WITH HIM AND CO-EQUAL IN GLORY, AND IN NO RESPECT AT ALL FALLING SHORT. FOR THE EXPRESSIONS USED AMONG OURSELVES, IF THEY ARE APPLIED TO GOD, DO NOT ADMIT OF BEING ACCURATELY TESTED, AND I SAY THAT WE OUGHT NOT TO UNDERSTAND THEM JUST EXACTLY AS THEY ARE USUALLY UNDERSTOOD AMONG OURSELVES, BUT AS FAR AS MAY BE SUITABLE TO THE DIVINE AND SUPREME NATURE ITSELF. FOR WHAT ELSE COULD HAPPEN UNLESS THE TONGUE OF MAN POSSESSED WORDS COMPETENT TO SUFFICE FOR SETTING FORTH THE DIVINE GLORY? Accordingly, it is absurd that the preeminence of the glory which is highest of all should suffer injury through the weakness of the human tongue and its poverty of expression. Remember that which Solomon says, The glory of the Lord maketh language obscure. For when we waste our labor in trying to express accurately the glory of the Lord, we are like to those who wish to measure the heavens by a span. Therefore, when anything is said concerning God in words generally apply to men, it must be understood in a manner befitting God. Else what wilt thou do when thou hearest David singing in his psalm? O thou that sittest upon the cherubim, show thyself, stir up thy strength, and come to save us. For how does the incorporeal sit? And where does he call upon God of the universe to come to for us, the God who saith by the prophets, Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Where therefore should he come to for us, when he filleth all things? Again it is written that some were building a tower to reach unto heaven. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, And the Lord said, Come, and let us go down, and there confound their tongues. Where did the Lord go down? Or in what manner doth the Holy Trinity urge itself on to the descent? And how, tell me, did the Saviour himself also promise to send to us the paraclete from heaven? For where, or whence, is that which filleth all things sent? FOR THE SPIRIT OF THE LORD FILLETH THE WORLD AS IT IS WRITTEN. THEREFORE THE EXPRESSIONS ORDINARILY USED OF OURSELVES SIGNIFY THINGS ABOVE US, IF THEY ARE SPOKEN CONCERNING GOD. DOST THOU WISH TO UNDERSTAND ANY OF THOSE THINGS SO DIFFICULT OF COMPREHENSION? THEN THY MIND PROVES TOO WEAK TO GRASP THEM, AND DOST THOU PERCEIVE THAT IT IS SO? Be not provoked to anger, O man, but confess the weakness of thy nature, and remember him that said, Seek not out the things that are above thy strength. When thou directest thy bodily eye to the orb of the sun, immediately thou turnest it away again, overcome by the sudden influx of the light. Know, therefore, that the divine nature also dwells in unapproachable light unapproachable, that is, by the understandings of those who over-busily look into it. Therefore also, when things concerning God are expressed in language ordinarily used of men, we ought not to think of anything base, but to remember that the wealth of the divine glory is being mirrored in the poverty of human expression. For what if the Son is sent from the Father? Shall he then on this account be inferior? but when from the solar body its light is sent forth, is that of a different nature from it, and inferior to it? Is it not foolish merely to suppose such a thing for a moment? Therefore the sun, being the light of the Father, is sent to us, as we may say, from a sun that darteth forth its beam, which indeed David also entreats may take place, saying, O send out thy light and thy truth. And if it is a glory to the Father to have the light, how dost thou call that in which he is glorified inferior to him? And the Son himself also says concerning himself, Whom the Father sanctified and sent. Now the word sanctified is used in the Scripture in many senses. For it is said that anything dedicated to God is sanctified. For instance, he said unto Moses, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. And again, that is sanctified, which is prepared by God for the execution of any of his designs. For he speaks thus concerning Cyrus and the Medes, when he determined that they should make war against the city of the Babylonians. THE MIGHTY ONES ARE COME TO FULFILL MINE ANGER, BEING BOTH JOYOUS AND PROUD, THEY HAVE BEEN SANCTIFIED, AND I LEAD THEM. AND AGAIN, THAT IS SANCTIFIED WHICH IS MADE TO PARTICIPATE OF THE HOLY SPIRIT. THEREFORE THE SON saith THAT HIMSELF IS SANCTIFIED BY THE FATHER, AS HAVING BEEN PREPARED BY HIM FOR THE RESTITUTION OF THE LIFE OF THE WORLD and for the destruction of those who oppose him, or still further, insofar as he was sent to be slain for the salvation of the world. For indeed those things are called holy, which are set apart as an offering to God. And we say that he was sanctified, even as men like ourselves are, when he became flesh. For his flesh was sanctified, although it was not in its nature holy, by being received into union with the Word. And because this is come to pass, he is sanctified by the Father. For the Godhead of Father and Son and Holy Spirit is one. 37.38 If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do... THOUGH YE BELIEVE NOT ME, BELIEVE MY WORKS, THAT YE MAY KNOW AND BELIEVE THAT THE FATHER IS IN ME, AND I IN HIM. WHAT HE SAYS IS THIS. THOUGH IT IS EASY FOR ANYONE TO CALL GOD FATHER, YET TO DEMONSTRATE THE FACT BY WORKS IS HARD AND IMPOSSIBLE TO A CREATURE. BY WORKS, HOWEVER, OF A GOD-BEFITTING CHARACTER, HE SAYS, I AM SEEN TO BE EQUAL TO GOD THE FATHER and there is no defense for your unbelief, since you have learned that I am equal to the Father by the evidence of the God-befitting works which I do. Although as regards the flesh, I seem to be one among you like an ordinary man. Hence it is possible to perceive that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. For the sameness of their essence makes the Father to be, and to be seen in the Son, and the son in the father. For truly even among ourselves the essence of our father is recognized in him that is begotten of him, and in the parent again that of the child. For the delineation of their nature is one in them all, and they all are by nature one. But when we distinguish ourselves by our bodies, the many are no longer one a distinction which cannot be mentioned concerning one who is God by nature. For whatever is divine is incorporeal, although we conceive of the Holy Trinity as indistinct subsistences. For the Father is the Father, and not the Son. The Son, again, is the Son, and not the Father. And the Holy Spirit is peculiarly the Spirit although they are not at variance, through their fellowship and unity one with another. The Holy Trinity is known in the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit, but the designation of each one of these who have been enumerated denotes not a part of the Trinity, but the whole of it, since in truth God is undivided and simple although distributed in these subsistences. Therefore, as there is but one Godhead in Father and Son and Holy Spirit, we say that the Father is seen in the Son, and the Son in the Father. And it is necessary to know this other point also, that it is not the wishing the same things as the Father, nor the possessing one will with Him, that makes the Son say, I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and I and the Father are one. But because, being the genuine offspring of the essence of the Father, he shows forth the Father in himself, and himself also is shown forth in the Father. For he says that he wills and speaks and effects the same things as the Father and easily performs what he wishes, even as the Father doth, in order that he may be acknowledged in all respects consubstantial with him and a true fruit of his essence, and not merely as having a relative unity with him, only in similarity of will and the laws of love, which unity we say belongs also to his creatures forty, forty one, forty two. And he went away again beyond Jordan, into the place where John was baptizing, and there he abode. And many came unto him, and they said, John indeed did no sign. But all things whatsoever John spake of this man were true. And many believed on him there leaving jerusalem the savior seeks a refuge in a place possessing springs of water that he might signify obscurely as any type how he would leave judea and go over to the church of the gentiles which possesses the fountains of baptism there also many approach unto him crossing through the jordan for this is signified by christ taking up his abode beyond jordan THEY THEREFORE HAVING CROSSED THE JORDAN BY HOLY BAPTISM ARE BROUGHT UNTO GOD. FOR TRULY HE WENT TO CROSS FROM THE SYNAGOGUE OF THE JEWS UNTO THE GENTILES. AND THEN MANY CAME UNTO HIM AND BELIEVED THE WORDS SPOKEN BY THE SAINTS CONCERNING HIM. AND THEY BELIEVED ON HIM THERE, WHERE THE SPRINGS OF WATER ARE, WHERE WE ARE TAUGHT THE MYSTERY OF CHRIST. FOR CHRIST WAS NOT IN THE STREAMS BEFORE THE JORDAN, BUT SOMEWHERE BEYOND, AND HE CAME AND ABODE, CONTINUING CONSTANTLY IN THE CHURCH OF THE GENTILES. AND WE HONOR JOHN, NOT AS HAVING PERFORMED ANY GOD-BEFITTING WORK, BUT AS HAVING borne TRUE WITNESS CONCERNING CHRIST. FOR CHRIST WAS MORE WONDERFUL, NOT ONLY THAN JOHN, BUT THAN EVERY SAINT. For whereas they were prophets, he was the wonder working God. And we must notice that the words of John and of the other prophets are a way to lead us to believe Christ. End of section two.